and welcome to the F1 Girls. I'm Amy. And I'm Rihanna. So today we're going to be talking about Drive to Survive Season 3. So for anyone that doesn't know, Drive to Survive is a Netflix documentary that just follows the previous season of F1. And as we all know, it's all it's just come out, uh, was it Friday? Yeah. Friday. Yeah, so it came out Friday and we're just going to do a little review session on what our thoughts are. Yeah, so I'm, not, I'm just going to say right now, I watched it in literally two sittings. Like, I watched it so fast. <laughs> I was close. I think I did mine four. I did two like big sittings and just did some finishing off at the end. But yeah, three <laughs> or four sittings. It was so good. So what were what were our overall thoughts of it? I actually really enjoyed it. I know I say this after every season. <laughs> I did really enjoy it. And what I enjoy most is seeing all the bits that you don't see when the races and like the live coverage. You see all like the um like the paddock talks and all like the things that we are usually behind closed doors so I think that's definitely my favorite part um the whole season yes 100% like that's my favorite thing about Drive to Survive as a whole is the fact that you get to see like a behind the scenes you get to take a behind the scenes look at um everything that's going on in not even like after race days and stuff like that so that makes me very excited so the first episode was actually on the pre-season testing and obviously Australia getting shut down so pre-season testing was interesting yeah definitely I think they they like to focus on um what racing point we're doing because obviously that was the big shock of testing seeing that they were a lot quicker than they were last time several Mm -hmm. seconds quicker I think um and getting almost to Red Bull Mercedes pace and some of it and you could see the worry from all the other midfield teams something wasn't quite right (laughs) yeah it was complete and utter shock wasn't it when um the racing point came out of the garage for the first time and it looked exactly like the 2019 uh, mercedes so it was basically a pink mercedes let's be serious i mean to be honest don't blame them why why wouldn't you make a car exactly exactly there was a big to do about the fact that they had bought some information from Mercedes and personally I do not see a problem with it if they've bought it then I think they should be entitled to use it what was the was it the brake ducts that the official complaint was about that was the actual thing that they got done for but it's weird that they only they got a fine and they got points deducted but they were allowed to use it for the rest of the season and obviously that did a little bit of damage to them, but it didn't stop them from doing a quite a good performance compared to some of the previous years that they've had. Yeah, I think Racing Point really upped their game for last season. They did really quite well um, and ended up being one of the top teams in the midfield, which is quite impressive considering where they have been for the previous years. Yeah, and it's good to see from the, because obviously in seasons one and two of Drives 5, we saw the whole shift between Force India to Racing Point, the trouble that they had with their owner and it potentially going bankrupt. So to see them in such a low place and then suddenly to be getting what polls sometimes, um, podiums, it's such an amazing step in that sense and such an improvement from their previous years. Yeah, 100%. And also let's just talk about quickly because obviously we probably don't want to talk about it for too long, COVID-19 and the effect that that's had on the teams. I, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't actually realise the full effect of what COVID-19 could have had on the sport because on uh, the episode, the first episode, it said um, 
some of the smaller teams such as like Williams House and stuff they're quite small um smallly funded as well so thinking having that many races out could really financially um disadvantage a lot of teams and I'm it's actually quite surprising that all 10 of them made it through and uh, here on the on the grid for 2021. Yeah I'm very excited about the fact that they're, they're all still here like COVID-19 could have had a absolutely astronomical effect on the different teams and I think it is a big thing that they've all managed to make it through and they've all got to a point where they are back and maybe better than ever. <laughs> I think yeah I think it's good that they got so many races in um in 2020 as well was it I think it was around 17 I can't quite yeah, remember. 17 races. But that was a lot more than what they expected um so I think that that was an amazing team just to get that many and obviously doing races in multiple locations and like the same location I think is definitely a good move from them and yeah I just think it's it's so good that we got a nearly normal nearly yeah. normal last time. I think we as event uh, management students as well really sort of understand the difficulty when it comes to actually putting on that kind of thing so the events team um did amazing to actually get those 17 races put on yeah and done safely as well the most important thing yes 100 percent. bottas and hamilton were a big thing in this season what do you think about that pairing I think it's, well, it's depending whose perspective you're looking at. If you're looking at it from Bottas's perspective, obviously that's probably the worst pairing you get because it's obviously very hard to go against a multiple-time world champion. But from Lewis's and Mercedes' point of view, I, I think it's the perfect pairing. You've got Hamilton doing his thing. He's pretty much on form every single race. Um, and Bottas is consistent. He pretty much always brings home a second. So points-wise for Mercedes and for Hamilton trying to get as many titles as he can, I feel like... Bottas isn't too much of a threat in that sense and he can bring home the points and be consistent which is what the team wants. Yeah 100% I think the fact that they've kept them together as well shows shows a lot from the team. Um, I feel like they're I feel like they want to get another world champion out of championship out of uh, Hamilton and the best way that they've been able to do that is to have Bottas there not really threatening him at all so um yeah, I think from Bottas's point of view, it's probably not the best, but you can kind of see where the team are coming from and you can kind of see like Hamilton's view as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think Bottas obviously has his good days. I mean, Russia's obviously a, a brilliant circuit for him. He's done very well mm -hmm. over the last few years. And it's also interesting to see where Mercedes will go in the future because obviously Hamilton's only signed a one-year contract with Mercedes. Um, and it's kind of questionable whether he'll stay in the sport, whether he'll go on and do other things, um, whether, because obviously in Bahrain, Russell had a go um, and did exceptionally well. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see where he fits in, whether who leaves first and whether one of them might mentor him for a little bit if Russell does join Mercedes. I think a lot of that will jeopardise um, Bottas's um, potential world championship, like challenging, if you get what I mean. 100%. I think with Russell as well coming in, I feel like he's going to be a great contender for the 2022 seat. And I feel like the younger drivers coming in are just going to be taking over. I'm not going to lie. I feel like they are going to end up taking over. Um, and I feel like we're going to see a lot more younger drivers coming in. 100%. And you can definitely see the shift from even like 10 years ago and, and beyond that 
it was mainly just older drivers and teams with valued experience but you can tell I feel like with the rise of like Bottas and Leclerc they've had absolutely amazing seasons and you can tell that they've they're just almost a little bit more hungry for it they've, they've got all that new energy and the teams are starting to realize that and obviously you can see from uh, AlphaTauri they've obviously brought in two um, they've got two young drivers so as Haas they've got two young drivers I feel like that all the teams are kind of making a shift towards getting new talent in and seeing where it goes from there. Yes 100% so talking about the big teams Ferrari have not done that well recently <laughs> to put it lightly what do you think about the whole Vettel leaving Ferrari um, their basic like downfall almost well I think any Formula 1 team no one can be at the top of their game forever and to be fair Ferrari haven't really been at the top of their game within the last five years they've had competitive cars yeah. but they haven't won a championship for what a decade over a decade now yeah uh, structures um so I think it was almost on a downward trajectory and but I think I think Vettel had just almost mentally checked out especially this season he just wasn't, he wasn't really anywhere. He wasn't, Leclerc pretty much became the number one driver. He wasn't really bothering anyone in that sense. And I, I think it's good for him to move to a new team, to help a, a team that didn't have as much experience knowledge-wise because Perez and Stroll, although Perez has been in a long time, Vettel's got that four-time world champion knowledge. He'll be able to help that team a lot. He'll be, he'll probably feel more valued there because he'll be the number one driver. Um, and he'll be able to just, I think, have a mental reset and go at it fresh 2021. So I think for him, that's the best thing. And for Ferrari, I think having a new person, a new teammate will also give them uh, hopefully a new a new run at it in 2021. Yeah, definitely. I think Vettel at the end um, of his contract was had just sort of given up with Ferrari. I feel like he just, he just wasn't bothered anymore. Um, mm. But I think, like you say, I think feel like a new start for Vettel is exactly what he needed and to go to Aston Martin where like you say it's a brand new team that doesn't really have much experience so I feel like he's going to do really well there and also yeah. with Carlos going to um, Ferrari I feel like again it's just going to be a real fresh start for them and there is potential for them to do really well they just need to get the car back up to the normal standard of Ferrari yeah definitely I think um I have a feeling 2021 is also going to be a bit of a bad season for them I don't really see the car being exceptionally better but I think with all the regulation changes obviously coming in in 2022 I think that might even the playing field for not only Ferrari but for for everyone for everyone on the grid so I think I think they're almost playing a long-term game that 2021 might be a trial run for 2022 where they actually hopefully will start placing a lot better than they have done this 100%, season. yeah so talking of moves ricardo to mclaren now i am very excited about this because ricardo is one of my favorite drivers and mclaren is my favorite team so to have that pair in there together is just heaven for me yeah no i, I de definitely ricardo is definitely one of my favorite drivers as well he's just he's just so like fun <laughs> it gives a nice breath of um enjoyment even when it gets serious um but it was interesting to see um the team principal Renault's um reaction to it all because he thought he was making a long-term investment obviously Ricardo was pay being paid very highly at Renault probably a lot more than Ocon was 
and I think I got the feeling he felt a little bit of betrayal there as as he moved um but at the end of the day Ricardo needs to do what's best for him he needs to go to the team that will win him a championship and I definitely think McLaren are on that upward trajectory of being a podium winning potentially championship winning team in the future I think with Ricardo, he when he chose to move to Renault, it was very much a I want to go here because I want to start winning races and I want to get the championship. And in the two years that he's been there, he hasn't been able to. I think he's only got a couple of podiums, hasn't he, really, with um, Renault. So for him, I, I can understand the move, the wanting to move to a different team who he has seen is getting those podiums, is getting those um wins so yeah I can understand it and um like they said in the episode it was like it could get it got very awkward didn't it it was it was um Horner that said about um it's like breaking up with a girlfriend and then she just doesn't move out I loved that Oh yeah, that was that's probably the best way to describe it. Really, it's if you know someone's going somewhere else, you obviously you need to work with them, but there's still that little bit of questioning and seeing if they're actually going to bring their best performance if they know they're going somewhere else. But also I think that resentment as well, isn't there? If like he's leaving us, <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I think the most interesting thing to see from all of the drives five um like seasons. Ricardo has been quite heavily followed throughout all of them from his move from Red Bull to Renault and now from Renault to McLaren. And you can you can tell it would definitely have been hard for him from, from doing all those, been doing so well in um, Red Bull, even though Verstappen was beginning to get favoured and I can probably understand why Red Bull put a few more of their resources into Verstappen because obviously he's the new fresh talent and definitely one of the most talked about drivers in F1 at the moment. But at the end of the day, it must have been hard for him to, to almost be made second Red Bull and then to go to a team that wasn't really winning. I can definitely understand why he just wanted to change the pace and get back to where almost where he was because he was definitely a championship contender back at Red Bull. 100%. And like he said in the episode, he's getting older, so he's he's not got as much time as maybe these younger drivers like Lando, George, um, Gasly and all those kind of people um, to actually get the championships. So he's got to think really strategically about where he's going to be for the next couple of years. And I, th- I honestly think he's made a good choice in going to McLaren. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, although although he's in drive terms, he's getting on a bit. But if you look at um, Brighton and you look at Alonso, <laughs> you can always argue that Alonso might do very well this season. He'd mm. probably, um, in, a, in testing, he was doing quite well. So I think... You can, he could he's probably got good another eight years if he really, really wanted to. <laughs> if he wanted to stay well, I mean, they keep retiring and coming back, so there's no saying that Ricardo can't. <laughs> exactly. Okay, and so let's talk about Gasly. He's definitely been the underdog of the season. I, I He almost came out of nowhere, but especially after the hard hit he had from Red Bull, and obviously they covered that a lot in the second season of Drives 5 and how he didn't really adjust to being a Red Bull. And it was such a shame to see that they didn't keep him on to the end of the season. You can tell, especially when he's in the Alfari, he is such a naturally talented driver. And when he's comfortable in a car, you can say he can, he can win races, he can get podiums. So I think he's definitely shown and proven himself to everyone, including everyone at Red Bull, that he has the talent and the drive to win 
Oh, 100%. You can see it in his face when he talks about winning and when he actually got his win, um, you could see it. Like, he wanted that so badly and it, it just goes to show that he does have the talent to do to win the races and be a championship contender. It's just he needed the time in the car. Yeah, definitely. And it's, I think his performance has been absolutely amazing because obviously he's gone through quite a lot of hardship this year. Obviously, losing one of his closest friends in Formula 2, Antoine, um, and obviously getting demoted as well would have played on his mind a bit. So having, I think it's good that he's turned that grief into almost motivation and has helped prove to everyone that he is one. He, he deserves to be an F1 and he deserves to be in one of the best seats. Yeah, definitely. And he that happened at the exact exact same weekend, didn't it? So his friend mm-hmm. died and it got announced that he was being demoted back down to Alcatari. So, yeah, I think he's done incredibly well to get back to where he is right now. And I feel like he's just going to be showing them exactly what they're missing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, having conversations with other people about um, Monza and his win, um, I would say it's probably 50-50. He did get very lucky with the tyre strategy and starting quite far out the grid, but having Carlos behind him for quite a few laps and obviously McLaren's aren't slow. So you do need a lot of talent and a lot of drive to get that across the line in the first place. So I think you have to give him some credit. Yeah, he did incredibly well on that race. He did get quite lucky with it and his talent just sort of shone through really so let's talk about the Gasly and um Albon switch I was very I was very surprised that they did do the switches earlier I thought they would have kept Gasly on to the end of the season but obviously they did that in the August in the August break wasn't it um and that was mainly covered on the second season drive five and it's it's weird to see I feel like they're almost it's almost a very similar story. They they start off okay, and then it kind of gets progressively worse. And I think I think that's because the pressure is mounting. And obviously, Albon had a little bit of a rough start when he was very close to podiums, and he ended up getting knocked out, especially that one by Hamilton. I think that was twice he d- he got knocked out by Hamilton twice. Yeah, he did. The second um, time they were just like Hamilton just does not like you, does he? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and as a lot of the um, the journalists were saying in Drives 5, that just having a first podium will make you feel a lot better about yourself and will give you the confidence. So I think because he didn't have that from early on and that almost did get taken away from him, he did, I think he did lose faith in his, his abilities a little bit and obviously that reflected in his, in his driving. Yeah, 100%. I feel like the pressure is incredible on them. Like they have an insane amount of pressure on them and um, obviously, with Verstappen being who he is and the talented driver that he is, it, it it's a lot to go into that seat. So, to be quite honest, I think they both did as well as they could. And I feel like if Red Bull had let Gasly stay on until the end of the season and then maybe switched him out he would have shown them that he actually has the drive but also the same with um, Alex Albon he he's a good driver we know he's a good driver so yeah it's kind of like where where's the line where do you draw that line of but yeah I, I get what you mean and I feel like even when you look at when Ricardo was there he found it tough 
been against Mr. Verstappen. He's a very well-seasoned driver. So to have such young people coming straight from um, the driving academy, AlphaTauri, that it is a lot of pressure. And to have such a, a focused and driven teammate, it's going to be very, very hard to stand out in that in that team. Oh, 100%. Now, yeah. we're going to talk about something that I don't particularly, I didn't like. <laughs> I didn't yeah. like watching it. It breaks my heart and I cried every time I cry every time I see it it's the Grosjean crash it's such a weird thing to see because you you think when you think of crashes like that you think of you think back in the 80s when there was less safety and you think that's the kind of thing that would happen then you don't think of something that big that could happen now in 2020 2021 this time it doesn't seem like that should happen and I um, instinctively went back to the Nicky Lauda crash and yes. seeing Grosjean's crash, like it took me back to watching that. And I was like, holy crap, I don't know if he's going to come out of this. Yeah, definitely. And that even though it was only, um, was it two and a half minutes, it felt so long waiting to hear whether he was actually okay. And I think it's an absolute miracle that he did actually make out alive and with such minimal injuries compared to obviously some racing drivers don't get so lucky. A hundred percent. Like we were literally just talking about Antoine and him dying in a crash on the track, but it's crazy how you can go from that to having a crash like Grosjean's and he actually made it out and it was incredible. Like I saw um, a recreation almost of the crash and seeing how the car went into the barrier and stuff like that was insane. And the fact that he came out of alive, came out alive, is honestly a miracle. Definitely, and I think it almost hammers home the importance of the introduction of the halo. And I can't believe it took so long as it did to get it, because there's been so many instances, even outside of Grosjean's crash. Even though when um, Stroll got flipped over, you can his head probably would have get knocked off if there wasn't a halo there. And there yeah, hundred percent. So, yeah, there's been so many more things that could have gone sour if the halo wasn't there, and I think. The halo had a big part to play in saving Grosjean's life and splitting the barrier the way it did and not actually hurting him. So I think I think it's amazing that the halo hadn't been brought in sooner when things like that can happen. Yeah, definitely. And what made me like start crying the most in the episode was um Grosjean's wife, the interview yeah. they did with her. Like it made me so emotional because I I can just imagine what she was going through on that day and how just how up in the air everything was like that would stress me out no end and obviously it's her husband at the end of the day and they've got kids together and just horrible yeah it's the not knowing isn't it it's the waiting around just to hear something but the fact that he's going into another form of racing and he's his um, spirit hasn't been knocked by it that's also an amazing thing because a lot of people go being in an accident of that magnitude probably would want to just quit and walk away but obviously he's going into a new form of racing um that isn't formally one because obviously he's um not with Haas anymore but I think that's amazing that it hasn't crushed his spirit or, or his love for motorsport so it's good that he's still able to walk away with the thing his life and the thing he loves as well oh hundred percent like if Honestly, if it was me, I would not be getting back in a car, let alone be going back to another sort of form of racing. So, yeah, he hats off to Grosjean because he's absolutely incredible. Speaking of Haas, 
has finance. I didn't know it could have gone so... I didn't realise how much of a position they were in, because obviously I know they've had a bit of um, sponsor issues, and obviously that's covered in the first and second seasons of Drive to Survive. And it was, it was weird how it was almost at a point where if they didn't find another sponsor and external funding, that Haas might not even have been in 2021. And, yeah, it's interesting to see how um, how Gene was all, he's always like flitting between jacking it all in or continuing. So it's interesting to see that they are going to go ahead and they have secured a sponsor. Yeah, like when they did the car releases um, for this year, I was half expecting Rich Energy to be back on that car. <laughs> but you know what? I I feel like this, they need to grasp it with both hands and really go with it because if they get into this position again, I really don't think there's coming back from it. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's also interesting to see how much a sponsor can influence the rest of the team. So obviously they, they have a say over the drivers. And I think with Haas's new sponsor, that may or may not have influenced a certain Mazepin being <laughs> in the seat. We're just not going to talk about him. No, I, I think he's... It's not a good way to make your debut in F1 to have a, a scandal around you that you don't really apologise till months and months after and just... I think the general consensus around him is not not great. <laughs> we haven't we haven't we haven't really seen what he can do yet, so it's not best to judge. But I think yeah, it's best just not to <laughs> talk about him too much. But his teammate, however, Mitch Schumacher, that is definitely a big talking point. Yeah, I am very excited to see what Mick has to offer. Obviously, he has got a humongous legacy on his back. And I think everyone's going to be watching him and seeing if he lives up to that. And honestly, I hope he does. I really do. Um, and it's also, I was when we were watching the testing, it was so nice to see um, MCH back on, back yeah. on the, uh, back on the grid. So yeah, I think he is. I feel like he's going to really shine. And I feel yeah. like he's being given that opportunity too. So it's an exciting season for him and I am excited to see where he goes with it. Yeah, definitely. And it'll be good to see Well, I hope that he doesn't feel the pressure too much. I hope that he doesn't feel like he's constantly standing in his father's shadow and that he can be his own race driver. He's got, he can win his own races, win his own championships potentially in the future. And I feel like he'll be in he'll be here to stay in F1 I reckon because he well he won F2 didn't he mm. he's it's clear that he's got the natural talent and obviously he's got the drive and and hopefully a legacy to fulfill so fingers crossed that he can be the best driver that he can be yeah definitely I feel like it's going to go one of two ways he's either going to absolutely excel and show us all that he is his father's son or he's going to crumble under that leg legacy so I hope it goes the first way, to be quite honest with you. We yeah. don't want to see him crumbling. No, definitely not. And it's been interesting. There's a, there's a bit of a speculation on um, social media saying that Carlos is almost a seat warmer for Mick. And obviously, Ferrari will have their eye on him in the future for a potential seat. And obviously, that puts a bit more pressure on Carlos to perform well in order to keep his seat because I think with um, Leclerc's new signed five-year contract that he he's going to be here for a while and depending on how well Mick does and the general shift into new upcoming talent it'll be interesting to see if Mick performs as well as we hope he will 
whether they will consider him for a potential seat in the upcoming years and whether Carlos can retain it. Oh, yeah, so obviously he's coming from um, the Ferrari Academy, so that's sort of got him sort of almost boosted up ever so slightly above Carlos in terms of will he get the seat, will he not? But I feel like Carlos is going to have to really work his butt off to be able to keep the seat. And I really hope he does because he is an extremely talented driver and he deserves it, to be quite honest. Yeah, definitely. Carlos, is he's consistent. He's got some experience now. He's been in it for a few years. And like he's good and dry and wet. That's I think that's a hard balance to strike. So I, I can tell why Ferrari brought him on. He's obviously a brilliant driver and he, he wants the wins. He wants the championship. So I think it'll definitely be an interesting um, watch. It'll be, it'll be interesting to watch to see what, where Ferrari decides to go in the future regarding their driver lineup. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. 100%. So speaking of Carlos, the rivalry or in quotations rivalry with Lando in the last season, I feel like they really hyped up to something that I, I honestly don't think it was that big of a rivalry. But the episode that, um, episode eight was very much focused on how obviously um Carlos had been it had been announced that he was going to uh, Ferrari so there was that sort of pressure there yeah I think was it's so well known that Lando and Carlos probably gotten on the best out of any other teammates probably in history they they just seem to bounce off each other and it was interesting how Netflix kind of was looking at them and as it was almost kind of like frictioning but I, I feel like there wasn't really too much of a friction there because although racing drivers they will always there always be some kind of friction with your teammate because there can only be one winner right but I don't think there's any bad blood between them from what I've seen and they they do genuinely respect each other and want each other to succeed so I think they definitely tried to make a mountain out of a molehill in that yeah, episode definitely I feel like yeah with them too I feel like it's always been that sort of big brother little brother kind of thing like the bullying each other all the time but they also have that respect for each other and I honestly didn't see a shift in the bromance as they call it um from 2019 to the 2020 season like I watched quite a few of the um behind the scenes stuff and all the stuff McLaren was putting out um like the unboxed and I honestly didn't see much of a difference and obviously like you say Netflix looked at it and thought we could do something with this and they sort of made it out to be so much bigger than it was and it I feel like it, it just wasn't necessary because you there just really isn't that much of a di- like that much of a rivalry with them yeah no I agree and I think it's I think their their relationship I would say hasn't really changed but you can tell how Lando is improving as a driver so obviously he got um three in one of the earlier races and so you and he I think he was above Carlos a lot in the points I can't remember whether he was at the end um but you can tell that he is becoming a more a more um mature driver since his rookie season and I think that did pose a threat to Carlos a little bit and you can tell there was a few instances where they did get annoyed with each other whether they had to switch track positions but I think that's given with anything anyone would be annoyed by that and it was a team decision, but you can see that um, Norris has got um, almost a big weight on his shoulders. I think it was made clear um, Zach wants to take McLaren obviously to the forefront 
of F1 and he's putting his hopes a lot on Norris. So I think it's almost a bit of a, I feel like it's a little bit of a Red Bull situation where they, they favoured Max. Um, Ricardo knew it, so he left. I feel like Carlos could see maybe that was happening. And obviously if Ferrari comes up, you're not going to turn Ferrari down and you're almost just like cutting that out altogether and think, I don't want to have to go through that. So that could have potentially been something that was going through his mind that made him want to... I think with McLaren, um, they see Lando getting more and more confident and more and more comfortable in the driving seat. And I feel like they're focusing a lot on him. Like they've got, I feel like they've got a lot riding on Lando, which for a 21 year old is a lot of pressure. Um, but yeah, I think Carlos saw the signs and thought, you know what, I mm-hmm. need to um, go somewhere else if this is like they're just going to be focusing on Lando. So, and like you say, when Ferrari comes up, you do not turn it down. No, exactly. And I, I think it's, for an older driver to be unofficially demoted to the number two position, it's almost a little bit embarrassing and you don't want to be in that position. So I think if you can avoid it, you do. And I think Ferrari came up at the right time for Carlos and you don't you don't want to be made, made the number two when you're clearly the more experienced person in the team. So Yeah, definitely. Like I reckon if he had stayed another year, his pride would have definitely taken a hit. Yeah, definitely. And you can, yeah, you can tell that's the thing that happened with Seb as well. It's, it's a little bit embarrassing kind of being informally made the number two driver and you, it's not something you really want to have to go through, especially if you're a four-time world champion. You don't want to be the number two driver in your set. I know it's always all unofficial. It wasn't actually the number two driver or whatever, but I think him going to Aston Martin and Carlos going to Ferrari, I think we're in their best interests for their career. Oh, definitely. And like we say, the younger drivers are taking over at the minute. So, um for the older drivers, it's best to get to where you want to be kind of thing. So let's talk about the midfield battle for third place in the championship. I cannot believe how close it was and how close it was throughout the entire season. I I feel like my eyes aren't going towards Hamilton and everyone at the front. I feel like I'm watching the middle now a lot in races because that's where the real competition is and that's how close the points are and it's it's amazing how just one race can completely flip everything I thought it was crazy how it literally went to the last race like it was so last minute and McLaren did so well in that race to get third um but yeah it's like you say I tend to drift to the midfield now like we know Hamilton and Bottas and Verstappen are all going to be up in the top spots so the race is really in the midfield, which, to be quite honest, I love. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think um, the fall of Ferrari this um, season gone, I think that's definitely played a part in it because now the midfield teams can now like compete for podiums more easily. And obviously getting second, third, even first can really mess up the points for other teams if they're gaining so many in one go. So I think that's definitely played a lot in why it was so tight and seeing pretty much one person from each team at least getting a podium once um, has really uh, messed up the points and making it so close right to the end. Yeah, it's making it so much more interesting as well, isn't it? The fact that these midfield teams are able to compete for those top spots. Yeah, definitely. And I'm I'm quite interested to see, because obviously racing points now, Aston Martin and Renault's going to um, Alpine. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see whether the import the performance increases or decreases because obviously you've got more money going into it, especially with um Aston Martin. That's a that's a big sponsor and them going off of what they've done last year, their the expectations are quite high for them because they even admitted themselves after testing. They said, Oh, we hopefully should be getting third or higher, which is a very big um it's a big statement. Yeah, hundred percent. And now with Aston Martin backing and obviously what they did last season, I think they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves to basically be third or higher again. So it'll be interesting to see if they can actually follow through that in 2021. Yeah, 100%. So that's everything that we were wanting to talk about with this one. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, We hope you enjoyed. And we are so looking forward to the season start. Thank you.